with Bold, inside the headquarters of Bold Athlete. First episode, uh, you might be asking, what is Bold Athlete? Who are these guys? We are a athlete performance gym located in Calgary, Alberta. We train hockey players predominantly. We train other athletes, volleyball, baseball, you name it. Um, we're starting a podcast here to really dive deep into what makes us tick, how we can help young athletes get to the next level. I got uh, two of my special uh, guest hosts here with me today. I'll hand it over to them and they can introduce themselves. My name is Simon Doherty. I'm uh, business partners with Alex Allen. We've, we've started Bold um, since 2012. And yeah, I, I work predominantly on the business side of things now, but uh, I'm really excited to get this podcast going and do what we can to just really help athletes do what's needed to get them to that next level and help them succeed in life and in sport. We're going to need some life in here. Uh, you got your buddy here, Rocks, Chris Rockman here. Uh, I am the lead strength coach here at Bold Athlete. Uh, I've been here for about four years now. Uh, kind of climbed the ranks as uh, someone who started not really having a big role and uh, the boys introduced me into more of the business side of things and having more of a uh, leadership role here in the business. So happy to be here. Looking forward to getting in today's episode uh, and seeing what we got. There we go. So like we said, what you can expect from this podcast moving forward, it's for hockey players, it's for parents and all athletes alike. Uh, we're going to have lots of discussions and banter on what it takes to get to the next level. We've got great guests uh, scheduled to come onto the show every week or every two weeks. We haven't decided that one yet. Uh, but lessons from them and what's how they got to that level, um, any, any clues or tips that they have for, for young players. Uh, and then I think a big thing for us is having fun. So we're going to, if you know us, we like to throw it around a little bit, chop it up. Hopefully there's some humor in there. And uh, fair warning, we do tend to get off the tracks a few times, so hopefully uh, we'll keep you guys engaged for the for the podcast. Just a little bit, though. Nothing crazy. Nothing too crazy. Um, but super excited for our first episode. This one's uh, special for us. We got our first ever athlete uh, in the building today, Matthew Phillips, or as we call him, Bubba. Welcome, buddy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be part of the inaugural here. Yeah. Inaugural, wow. So to give you guys a little uh, context, context on Bubba, we started with him. We'll get into this later, but we started with him in 2012, which is pretty wild to think. And uh, he's now playing professional hockey in the Calgary Flames organization, and, and uh, we got him on an off he said the maybe the first off day of the season. <laughs> thanks, Feels like it. Thanks, yeah. Mitch Love. <laughs> um, we got him here for an hour, or so we'll get into his career and and kind of where he's at today. Uh, before we get there, something that we like to do in our business meetings, our staff meetings, just to break the ice a little bit, we call it a seg, and you, a segue, whatever you want to call it, something to break the ice and and get a little. Uh, get a little laughter going before the we get into the chat so this week i got the seg i want to know from you guys if you were to be one cocktail what would you be and why wow this is uh 
it's a heavy who wants, question here. It, it's, we just, you know, we just uh, get into, you know, it's a predominantly for for young athletes, and then we're getting into the cocktails. Already. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, they're gonna have no, some. No, no, I know, know this. Hey, this is all about getting them ready for the next level. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm gonna need a second here, though. But I feel like Slick's got something on his mind. I can go if you guys want. Yeah, you take it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Negroni. Were you guys going there? That's that was the one that I was gonna mention, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, think of another one. I'm going Negroni. Why? It's got three ingredients: one part, one part, one part. It's simple. It's not too sweet. It's not heavy like a Manhattan or something. So for me, I I pride myself on being simple, to the point, but effective and at a high level. Wow. And uh, if you really want to get after it, you throw a little orange twist and zest on top and I like that. put a little zip on it. Uh, but yeah, Negroni. I got a good one. Uh, I was actually talking about this a few days ago. Funny you brought okay. this up. With my girlfriend, we were on the topic of weddings, which was a great, oh, great chat. Oh, wow. But we were talking about signature cocktails uh, at weddings we've been at. You guys getting married? Well, we were just talking about it. Okay. <laughs> um, and an espresso martini came up. Uh, so I'd probably go with that. I think it. Uh, I think they're hot right now. Bring, I've it, heard a it, lot of people. Uh, it brings the vibes up. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you kind of see the eyes pop out of out of heads a little bit when one of those <laughs> comes to the table. So I'd go with that. Nice. I like that. It's like you got one. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it, um, and mine is an old fashioned, and the reason for that, standard. it's it's very standard. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna change it. I just got. Uh, I got vetoed here with a standard, but I'm gonna say just a, a scotch on the rocks. Wow. Why? Because it's extremely strong and pungent. One ice cube, a square ice cube. Uh, really nice crystal glass. Um, why? Because it, it brings a little bit of punch and a little bit of energy, um, but you need to have a little bit of, uh, you need to have a little bit of a grit to handle a scotch. And I like the, I like the bite. I like what, uh, what it does for me and you don't need too many of them. Um, but yeah, scotch on, on one ice cube. I like that. Oh, old fashioned is a great drink. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go with a coconut margarita. Oh, so not just a margarita, coconut. Blended? No, no. I like shaking. Okay. Uh, I'm not much of a blender guy. The reason why it starts with the preparation for me. Uh, when you're seeing a bartender, you know, shake up a margarita and pour it in a nice cup with a nice rimmer. Uh, there's just something about it right in the presentation. So. Uh, for me, it's the coconut margarita, but with that, um, why I went coconut is it's sweet, but it's also salty, okay? So obviously we all know margaritas are made with primarily tequila, so tequila is a party drink. It's an upper. It gets you going, um, and I find that's something I, one of my qualities that I have as a coach and as a, as a human being. You can party your I can up. party, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, again, uh, regardless of the actual liquor that's in it but i think that suits me pretty well do you salt the rim or do you no, say no, hold, it's got to be sweet rimmer oh. and then uh a little saltiness inside the inside the cup what about the coconut where does that uh, fit into the equation so that's the coconut tequila oh, coconut flavored nice. tequila holy moses and, this is uh, yeah it's a little salty sweet rimmer uh, <laughs> <laughs> the word rimmer is being thrown around a lot yeah it's tough okay good yeah. stuff um well, let's dive into it here, Bubba. We got, uh, obviously we've known you for a long time and um, 
So, Bubba, just uh, you mentioned that you grew up in Newfoundland playing uh, playing Timbits there. When you guys came to Calgary, what was the – just give our listeners an idea of where you started playing hockey in Calgary and, and what uh, association you were with. Yeah, so I lived in Newfoundland briefly for about two years, and then when I came back, I was in Novice, so I played one year for Blackfoot. I think they're still an association. Uh, and then from there, I played for Bow Valley. Um, so yeah, I was there through Adam and, and uh, Pee Wee. We were never really any good, so we don't have any banners up, but uh, yeah. Okay, Bubba, uh, let's get to the the good stuff here. What's the first ex- thought you had when the door opened <laughs> and these two clowns were standing on the front step <laughs> and your mom was like, Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, that's a good way to start. So it it actually didn't happen that way. So I remember I was over to my buddy's house playing roller hockey. Oh yeah. And you guys squirt. We yeah yeah uh, another Matthew nicknamed Squirt Squirt and Bubba. But we <laughs> Thank uh, you for the clarification on that. Yeah yeah we had uh, my mom set up a time to meet with you guys and talk about training for the summer and say it was one o'clock and I was probably in a tie game at twelve forty five down the street. So uh, when I came back in my rollerblades, you guys were already in my kitchen waiting for me. Uh, but it was good. I, I was excited to kind of get into training. And that was kind of around the age where, you know, like the, the Bantam, the WHL draft is coming up and hockey's getting a little bit more serious. And I don't know, all your friends are interested in it. So to kind of get into that and further my career, which is kind of funny thing to say at such a young age, but uh, yeah, it was a little intimidating at the start with you guys, but uh, it was good. Well, the way I now that ma- that uh, makes a lot of sense. I remember, <laughs> I remember the rollerblades. <laughs> I also remember it was like trying to peel you off the couch watching Sports Center. Like you just wanted to watch the highlights, and you're like, I don't care about training right now. Like I'm watching the Canadians <laughs> and the Islanders highlights, um, but. Yeah, I, I can remember sitting at your uh, your kitchen table with your parents and felt like we were Simon had the old the uh, the black binder out, <laughs> their gold, silver, and platinum package. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a pretty wild time. And we, I remember driving up to picking up Simon, driving to your place up in D- Douglas Douglasdale Douglasdale yeah, in the south. And uh, training you out of the field there, and mm-hmm. with a medicine ball, and I'm not sure what else we had, but um, talk about some of those like early days in training, and, and kind of what you remember from those yeah, field that, days. Those uh, those are hilarious. Looking looking how far you guys have come, and how far Bold has come since then. I know that say we'd have a 10 o'clock workout, I would just be in my garage at 9:45, and. I'd see the blue Jeep turn the corner and I'd go meh, meh. <laughs> and then I'd come running out and there'd be med balls and dumbbells packed in the back seat and off we'd go to the to the soccer field just down the block there and uh, it was good. I mean, I'm sure it was kind of new to you guys as it was to me and uh, it was always a small group, me, maybe one other, uh, my friend <laughs> Squirt with me, but uh, yeah, it was it was one way to start working out for sure and I mean, so many memories from that. Long days, a lot of running in the field and uh, circuits and too many burpees, but... Old school. Uh, old school, uh, but it's it's crazy to see how far it's come since then. 
Bob, I got a question for you. Is there one workout that you remember specifically um, from those days that stands out to you? Um, I don't know about one specific workout, but I, it just felt like some days that one hour was about five hours long. <laughs> and uh, you guys would just be there timing me and I'd be whatever, doing push-ups, sit-ups. But I mean, it, it was it was fun to be one-on-one -on -one because the, the interaction was so good and, and the attention to detail was there from you guys. And you could kind of push me and and I, I feel like I probably pushed you guys to develop uh, new training tactics and, and that. So, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's hilarious how different training is now. One of the, one of the best, or before you get a question here, one of the best memories I have, um, Simon and I are pretty intense guys, obviously, and we keep in mind we were like 21 at the time. <laughs> uh, you probably thought we were like these like super old guys, but we were 21. I was still playing hockey at a division one level and uh we're playing basketball in the little side court there yeah and i just remember getting so heated it's me it's like one-on-one -on -one and the loser would go out <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. would come king's in court. with king's court we're playing this little 13 year old kid <laughs> in basketball and i remember me and simon screaming at each other are you kidding me? That's a foul. You like just scream and going at each other. I remember looking out of the corner of my eyes, seeing you, and you're 13, and you're just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> like my trainers are, are about to, guys? my yeah. trainers are about to fight each other <laughs> over like a game of 21. Yeah, uh, and then we're just like, "Man, we got to dial it in here." Yeah, we. Uh, I did like that though. We'd always start with some sort of uh, different sport to kind of warm up. I I remember. <laughs> this always sticks in my head it was one day it was all right bring your stick to the field today <laughs> and I'm like why am I bringing my hockey stick and we were shooting like a tennis ball at the wall of the school and you could kind of see little squares I don't know if it was the brick or whatnot but it was maybe the size of like a soccer net and we were shooting at uh, imaginary targets working on accuracy but I'm shooting at a like a soccer net size <laughs> target here <laughs> <laughs> like what are we doing here so that was a good one but um those games were always fun because i mean you guys were probably a lot more competitive than i was at the time because i didn't have a chance in basketball but i always did learn to be competitive at all times and that's a good trait to have um and that's something that i kind of didn't have a choice but to learn from you guys yeah, sorry about if we uh, <laughs> scarred you as a young kid. There's one, uh, there's one workout that stands out in my mind. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but we went down to a pathway down by the river in Douglasdale. Oh yeah, and we did these, we did these uphill interval runs. Um, but often, often what you learn is that when we, when we train Baba, uh, he has such a dedication to his craft and the way he goes about his business that we were constantly evaluating ourselves and. Um, seeing that at, at 12 years old or 13 years old, however old he was, it was it was a it was a good uh, look in the mirror for us. But we would join him with these workouts, and we were doing the we were doing the runs up the the hill sprints up these things, and I think we did seven of them. And it came to a point where just uh, Alex and I were like, I don't know if we got any more, but <laughs> Baba, you got to run one more. <laughs> you got one more in you, buddy. And then we took a we took a group picture at the end. And uh, I specifically remember my hair was like <laughs> puffed out. My eyes were black around 
blacker dark circles around my eyes but uh, it was just it was awesome we do, we we try to get in there with Baba and um, he was always he was always pushing the pace <laughs> I I not lately but a lot of times like people ask me about you and like what's different about him or questions like that and I think Simon would agree on a serious note and there's still to this day I haven't trained anyone like you um, but at that young of an age your ability to just zero in and focus was like I was learning from you and it's kind of funny to think that I was 22 and thought I was a pretty good player at the time uh, Sonk and <laughs> but it was like your your ability to focus and be zeroed in at the task is that something that you know, obviously you do that in hockey, like in the game, but you also did that off the ice. Is that something that you just naturally did or do your parents instill that? Or like, where did that come from? Cause no one, no one operates like that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how to put a finger on it, but I think from pretty much the age I was with you guys understanding like what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and where this is going to hopefully get me if I fully apply myself and push myself as hard as I can. Um, so yeah, I think that goes into a lot of things, not necessarily just on the ice, but preparing for things. I mean, studying like video, which you do a lot in pro hockey. It's just little details that, I mean, there's always um, stuff at your disposal that can help you become a better player. And the more you want to apply yourself to those things and and just understand like where that'll get you uh, and just focusing on what you're doing and kind of blocking out other things. And, and you guys are really good for me too because it was just constant encouragement. And uh, I mean, I was always the smallest guy in the group or in the workout or on the ice or whatever it is, but um, there was never any sense of uh, like discouragement from you guys. It was always like, you do this as well as you can and you're gonna see results. You're gonna get where you wanna be. and and that helped me a lot. And I, I, I think I was lucky that I kind of saw those results early because it's easy to kind of continue to push yourself when you do see the results, like getting drafted to WHL and having some success there. Uh, but for me, yeah, it's just understanding where it's going to get you if you do what you're being coached to do. Nice. Uh, Bubba, that, that, same, that same summer, uh, you were one of our first two athletes. The other athlete being someone we know really well. Zach Russell. Uh, for any of, of you guys that don't know Zach, he's got one of the most unique and hilarious personalities. Uh, he's one of a kind for sure. But in, in honor of Rusty, I want you to give us your best Zach Russell story that you can remember. <laughs> um, I have a few that come to mind, but this one's just funny because uh, you guys took us golfing one day. Um, Again, like in the first couple of years, you guys would always find different activities to do, like different sports. Instead of a workout today, we're going to go play golf, keep it light, whatever. Um, and I'd never really met Zach. You guys had talked about him before. <laughs> and we were on the tee box. Like it might have been like the first tee or something like that. Um, and we're still at the age where you're learning, like, common, like how to greet someone and all that. <laughs> And you guys are like, this is Baba, this is Zach. And we kind of stare at each other. And Alex is like, shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that was really funny. Uh, and we were both probably a little nervous to meet each other. But 
uh, we've grown into really good friends. So it's, it's that's a good one. Um, okay, let's let's talk about you're kind of a legend in my mind. I'm not sure if it is an actual legendary story, but I got to witness um, the Max Midget Tournament where you you absolutely lit it up. Uh, so basically, you know, you and you can tell the story better, but you got drafted to Victoria in the WHL. You you went there as a 16 year old. Um, you didn't make it which was like really shocking to a lot of people and yourself, I think. And you came back to, to play midget again uh, with the buffs. Uh, you were the captain. And I remember Simon and I going to games. It felt like Crosby was in town. Like the <laughs> rink was packed every night. You guys were like a absolute wagon of a team. And uh, you put on like a legendary performance, won the MVP of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about your that tournament and like you know being a, a guy that came back from junior and and the captain yeah well i say this to a lot of people if i ever talk about you know not making a team or whatnot um the year that i didn't make victoria as a 16 year old and there was actually two forwards my age that did make the team so that was kind of tough but that season going back to play midget was probably the best thing that's happened to me um, in my career. Uh, I got to be a captain, got to play a ton of minutes, um, gained so much confidence, uh, and just kind of continue to grow because you're still 16, like so much is changing and you're learning so much at that point. Um, and that, that max tournament was a lot of fun. I remember we had such a good team and it, it's just a cool experience because you're playing teams from all over Western Canada and, and you're playing in that they might have renamed it now, but the Max Bell Arena with the big stands there is kind of—it's a big stage for midget hockey, and uh, we were doing so good. It felt like every game we were scoring six, seven goals, and yeah. uh, it's Christmas time, so everyone's kind of in a good mood, and just really good memories from that. And yeah, it, it was just fun, and and like I said, we had an awesome team. We lost in the semifinals in overtime that year, but uh, that was a really cool experience, and it was it was fun. Well, I just want to—I want to go off of. Um, still talk about the the getting cut uh, as a 16 year old. I, I remember I was in Victoria at the time going to university mm-hmm. and you sent me a text that, that you got cut and I remember we went down to Cadbury Bay and it's a conversation I'll always uh, remember because I remember just the maturity that uh, that you took to the situation but uh, I remember asking you about what did what did Dave Lowry say to you um, and what are you going to take from that? So I just, I want you, because a lot of our guys get cut and a lot of guys, it doesn't work out in their favor, but um, can you speak to exactly what you took from that? And can you speak, uh, speak to what Dave said to you specifically that really helped you um, as you, as you kind of tried to develop your confidence and, and your path in, your, in hockey? Yeah, well, I was pretty fortunate because there's definitely some situations where a kid might get cut and it, it's, it's kind of black and white, all right, see ya. Uh, but they were still very encouraging to me and um, they were invested in me. And the message was kind of just work as hard as you can and we know that you can be here and you can help the team, but just not this year. Um, and that wasn't the news I wanted to hear, obviously. Um, but try to take it as a positive And uh, I mean, whatever situation you're in, there's things you can do to improve and uh, there's always people watching too, so. Um, yeah, it's tough as a 16-year-old because you're really, really focused on, 
you don't want to say status, but you want to be in the Western Hockey League or you want to play if you're whatever going to college. Like you want to do those things and to get sent back to midget wasn't the most exciting uh, time of my life at at that moment. But um, yeah, I think it, it's just believing in yourself because there's guys in different situations all around the hockey world and as hard as you push yourself you're going to stand out and you're going to get that opportunity as, as an undersized guy were you always going western league or did you have any any idea or like um thought process of maybe trying the college route uh yeah or? i was definitely i was open to kind of whatever uh before the draft and then once i went to victoria i didn't really know too much about it I had some family out there, so that was nice. But once I got to the camp there and and saw the city, I didn't really have to think about it too hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a per, it was an awesome setup for me, and uh, just like a top tier organization, city, everyone was really nice, and uh, and like I said, they they believed in me as well, so that made me kind of want to stay there and and commit to playing there. But I definitely didn't have my mind set up okay uh, until I got there. Uh, Rox, you got to have a question here. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm kind of letting you guys uh, rekindle the old flame here and, <laughs> and uh, get into the nostalgic path a little bit here. But we're on a really good topic because I think this is something that uh, a lot of athletes deal with, whether it's funny that you're saying, like, uh, you know, I'm 16-year-old and I didn't make the WHL. It's like, well, you know, I, I know a lot of people that didn't make their A team and they're 18, and it's like the same feeling, right? Yep. So, I mean, you've already spoken about it, but maybe just a little advice because I know a lot of our listeners that's kind of you know something that we're trying to get across to them is hockey is and sports in general is a really it's a hard time uh, and it's never an easy route um, some people are really gifted and get a lot of things uh, just based on how they are as a player right place right time but a lot of people it's not always just a straight path up um, so I kind of want to hear a little advice to some of our younger listeners who you know, are going through the experience of hockey and tryouts and when things don't go their way, you know, how do you bounce back and where does your mindset go there? Yeah, well, like, I mean, it doesn't matter what level it is. If you're getting told you're not making a team and trying out for you, that's not easy. Um, and I think it's tough because it takes some maturity to do this, but at some point you need to ask yourself, why did I get cut? Um, and I know that's not easy going through the hockey world and I know minor hockey is kind of crazy and scouts and as you work your way up and we'd all be a little naive to say there's no politics involved sometimes but um, teams want to win and if they're not keeping you on the team you're probably not the best player available for the entire roster uh, there's probably some outliers to your game so if you can be honest with yourself ask yourself why might I have gotten cut what can I do better um, that'll help you and it's not easy to do especially if you're maybe 14 and trying to make Banner AAA or whatever it may be but there's even guys now at my level in professional that get sent down and it's not easy but it, it takes some thick skin sometimes um, but you also need to be you know true to yourself and you got so close so you obviously have um, attributes that you can play at whatever level you're trying to get to if you just got cut from there but again uh, work on what might have gotten you cut by that smallest of margins. So well, you went, uh, after after you got cut, you went and tore it up in the midget AAA, led the league in scoring. You came back the next year and you won rookie of the year in the WHL as a 17 year old. Mm -hmm. 
The question I have for you is, were you surprised at the success that you had early on? Or was that kind of your vision and your plan to take the league by storm when you made the team? Um, I don't know if surprise is the word. Um, I, I think it kind of leads into the season I had before playing midget and just constantly, you know, having success on the ice and creating offense and, and just playing my game all the time and playing free. So I kind of expected to make the plays I was making once I made the jump to junior because that's all I knew from the year before uh, was confidence and making plays, scoring goals, stuff like that. So. I wouldn't say I was surprised. I mean, we had a really, really good team this year. I, I remember we won the regular season uh, champs. So it was a pretty smooth transition. And I, whenever I was on the ice, I was on the ice with good older players. So that's that's a good bounce for a rookie to get for sure, uh, to be kind of thrown into a good team there. But again, I, I think the confidence I had from the year before was, was really big for me because I kind of only knew how to play one way, how to have that impact, try to be the best player on the ice. Those were things that I kind of kept with me from the year before. This conversation actually brings up, uh, I'm remembering something that you said to me when we met on that beach that one day, but I remember asking you what Dave had said to you, and you mentioned that he said, when you go back to midget, don't play at their level. Yep. Learn what you learned here and bring that level to where you, where you go. Um, so speaking on Dave Lowry, uh, I got a chance to intern with the Royals and I met, that, I, met, I met him my first year in university. You might be one of the most um, intimidating people you'll ever meet in your life. Are there any great Dave Lowry stories that you want to share with our, uh, pardon me, with our listeners? Um, anything that uh, speaks to his intensity or speaks to the, the, the guy Dave Lowry was? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he definitely on the surface intimidating and maybe not even on the surface, but uh, from a business side and hockey side, trying to win games, he's very serious. Uh, and from, from us, he went to Brandon and then he's kind of been in the NHL since then. Um, or sorry, he went to LA back to Brandon, but now he's in Seattle in the NHL and he was an awesome coach. Uh, one funny one that I remember is a playoff game. Actually, I can't say I was there, but I was told this story playoff game in Kelowna one of our rookie defensemen Ralph Jarrett big Ralphie oh. uh, Ralphie was on the ice and at this point we have these visors that now they have like screws so you you kind of have to get in there but the old ones you would just like push it really hard with your fingers and it would pop out so one of our one of the top four d-men at the time took a big hit blown up visor cracked but it was a pretty quick fix to switch a visor and he came back to the bench couldn't go on the ice till his visor was fixed and Ralphie was probably the sixth D-man at the time and our the trainer was like looking around uh this guy needs a visor needs a visor and apparently Dave was like well Ralphie's not playing Take this <laughs> so they popped popped Ralphie's visor off his helmet and plopped it right onto the other guys so he could keep playing while they scrambled to find another visor wow that's wild like, yeah. Yeah. what you know to, to see what happens when he goes home that night and like what am I doing <laughs> I am a walking equipment bag like my god yeah yeah. Uh, one of one of my favorite Victoria Royal stories I wasn't there but I and I wished to god Zach Russell was here to tell this story because it's an all timer um, but the I can't hear you story by Simon Doherty. So Simon was a university student and uh, 
in Victoria. And I don't know if he's ever told you this, Bubba, but Simon ranks Michael Jordan and Matthew Phillips in the same vein of the uh, who he wants, like who he follows the most in sports. So as the most most exciting people to watch yeah. in, in sports. So he he holds you in a high regard, and I don't blame him. But during during the university days, Simon was the man, and he would bring all his boys to the rink and and uh, be in the student section there, probably hammering beers at a ferocious pace. This particular game, Zach Russell's playing for Brandon, yep. and they're in Victoria to play Matthew Phillips and the Victoria Royals. And you were lighting it up at the time, and Simon was, like, bragging about you to all his buddies, you know? <laughs> I've, I've got a different take. I'll give my. Okay, I'll make sure on, to give my take. Not over here. I'm going to try to tell it from Zach's point of view, and I want to hear what your perspective is on this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you had a hat trick in the game. Yep. And Zach scored the scored. scored as well. Game winner with like the game winner with seconds to go, or a few minutes. A yeah. few minutes to go, and it was kind of surreal obviously because we got the our first two kids we've ever trained playing together in the dub Bubba's got a hat trick Zach gets a game winner late and <laughs> Zach tells me uh, he I think he called me right away he's like I gotta tell you this <laughs> so Zach's on the visiting bench sitting there you know with the stick in the middle of the game and and uh he looks across and there's like some commotion going on in the stands and it's kind of like a tv timeout scenario He's looking, and he's like, as a player, you're just kind of sitting there, you know, the crowd all looks the same. Yeah. Kind of, you know, gives it a little squint. He's like, is that Simon? <laughs> and apparently Simon's down, running up and down the aisle of the section, looking back at the crowd going, I can't hear you, <laughs> with his hand over his ear, oh screaming, getting the, getting the section fired up. And he's just like, oh, my God, he's my trainer. <laughs> Just buckled in section 106, <laughs> screaming at the section to get off their feet. Is that a true story? I, do you, I mean, do you remember I, that? I didn't see it personally. I, I was probably on the ice more than Zach was that game, so <laughs> I was focused on the game. But, uh, I mean, if you talk about setting the stage, and we only would play Brandon once a year. So for Zach to score a goal and I had a big night uh, and Simon to be there watching, I, I can't imagine uh, – how pumped he was in the crowd and yeah it's that's so funny okay i want to i want to give my take here uh but it's it's important to know that zach russell which he learned from alex in our our years of training tends to fabricate stories a little bit and give the thing but i will give him credit i was going wild <laughs> but here's what happened it was a 4-1 game i think brandon went up early in the game and this was a this was a pretty cool this is one of the coolest nights of my life as a as an owner and a trainer because I've got our first two athletes playing against each other in the city that I go to university. I've got uh, I've got three of my boys out with me, uh, and to preface this too, as we get there, the event coordinator comes up to to two of my buddies, Benji Bryant and Derek Welch, and says, "Do you guys want to do the second period intermission game?" So these guys. These guys go, uh, I think Benji ended up falling, Derek won, there was like bets on it. It, it, was, it was awesome all around. But what ended up happening, I believe it was 4-1 going into the, uh, going into the third period, 
and Bubba scored three goals, three unanswered goals <laughs> to get a hat trick to tie the game up. So I'm losing my mind. Uh, it was pretty crazy. The, the, the fans are going wild. I was not giving I can't hear you to put my hand tonight here. I think you were. <laughs> There's no way. But then to see with, with two minutes left, uh, Zach, Zach, score, uh, Zach score the game winner by a team that he was actually cut by. Uh, after the game, I got to go see these boys, get a picture with them. Uh, it was one of the one of the coolest moments in my time as an owner of of Bold, and just like it was kind of my first dad moment, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of these guys and so yeah. proud of what they accomplished. But maybe I did get a little wild. There was no hand to the ear screaming. Hey, can't. it's a good story now. But <laughs> anyway, it is what it is. It's tough anyway. to say without knowing for sure. Yeah. 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 But uh, I believe Zach. Okay, <laughs> that summer, Bubba, you you lit up the dub. You had a great year. I remember this day very vividly. We're at Crowchild Twin Arenas in our summer skates, and there's been some buzz about you getting drafted. Um, uh, you were wearing a gray jersey. I remember, like, we're doing some competitions, and and uh, you, I think you checked your phone or you got a call or something, and you've been drafted by Calgary. I remember the whole ice time just kind of stopped, and we were just yeah. like, holy shit, man, this is crazy. And then felt like within minutes, CTV was there. Yeah. Uh, and you're doing an interview with your with your gear yeah, on yeah. in the corner, like, how did, what did it feel like being drafted by Calgary, and like, that whole scenario, that whole day. I think Dubé was in the rink too. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty crazy day. I was watching the draft at home, and then we had an ice time because it's like late June. My season was over about a month and a half ago, so we we're already into summer training. And I was on my way to the rink, probably like five minutes away. Uh, and my agent just texted me and he said, Calgary, congrats. So I almost went off the road when I saw that. <laughs> and then I finally got to the rink, but I was also trying to like make the ice time. So <laughs> phone's kind of blowing up and I didn't really know what to do. Um, and word probably spread pretty quick. Um, and yeah, next thing I know I'm on the ice and then TV cameras are coming in and it, it was wild and yeah Dylan Dubé was drafted in the second round that day so I I think they told him to meet up at that rink and oh, okay. and do an interview there and and such but yeah that was a pretty funny story and kind of tough to focus on the ice time that day um but yeah it was cool and I I kind of I wouldn't say I lost hope I was watching the first four or five rounds I went in the sixth round but I mean being at my size and I only had played one year junior so um, wasn't really sure what teams were maybe going to think of me or if they were going to take a chance on me. So that was a really exciting day. And, yeah, the the way it unfolded was was pretty cool. Did you know Calgary was going to take you, or did, were there other teams uh, talking I had only talked to maybe four teams prior. I didn't go to the Combine or anything. And like I said, I only had the one year of junior out of midget hockey, and I'm sure I was the smallest player drafted. So... You never really know what teams are thinking, but uh, I had a good chat with Calgary before I got picked, so I wasn't completely shocked that that they went for me there. But um, yeah, that was an awesome day. Nice. So, speaking of your draft, I got a great story. It's kind of embarrassing for myself, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> but you guys might not know this. Uh, I actually met Bubba before you guys introduced me to him. Oh yeah. So <laughs> here we go. That's right. Uh, so he played with two of my former teammates of the UFC Dinos, uh, Regan Nagy and Ryan Gagnon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually... And Fish. 
and fish. Yeah, that's and right, fish. Yes. But it was just so happened to be it was uh, Ryan and Regan here at this particular story. But uh, it was actually Nagy's uh, recruitment trip down to Calgary. Yeah, that's uh, right. And being that <laughs> Bubba's uh, uh, hometown is Calgary, he came out on the recruiting trip with us, and Gags was there, and we're all at Earl's. And this is the first time I met Bubba. I uh, didn't really know much about him. I uh, knew he played on the Royals. Um, but we're having beers at Earl's, and, you know, things are getting a little loose. And I kind of look over at uh, at Bubba, and I go, so where are you playing next year? And uh, everyone kind of looks at me, and I'm like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, is he not playing? He's like, man, he's drafted to the Calgary Flames. And I'm like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> right on. So everyone's like, man, you're an idiot. Like, don't talk again for the rest <laughs> of the night. And Bubba, like, Bubba's an awesome guy. Obviously, he didn't really give me too much grief, but it was kind of an embarrassing moment for me not really knowing much about Bubba and how much of an impact he had in the league and obviously being drafted the Calgary Flames and you know me being a big bum just asking <laughs> hey so what do you got going here with your hockey career well I'm actually drafted to the show so uh, where are you playing yeah where are you playing <laughs> well I'm averaging about three minutes with the Dinos this year so doing really well thanks I'm actually running 50-50 at the Flames games so I'll see you I'll see you there yeah oh man good stuff bro. yeah um, I got a question for you, Bubba. Just when you got drafted to the Flames and going into their <laughs> going into their rookie camp, what was that experience like for you? And were you nervous? Were you feeling pressure? Um, just how was that whole experience for you? Yeah, that was a big eye-opening for sure. Just because when you go to those rookie camps, it's kind of like half the guys are still junior age, the other half are over 20. Uh, some guys are turning pro already. And like I said, I'm like, few months removed from my only season in junior and whatever a year ago I was playing midget hockey so all of a sudden I'm going against men um, guys that are gonna play NHL games gonna play in the AHL the next year so that was a uh, big eye-opening for me I, I think I still showed pretty well but at the same time I kind of realized like I, I better get better here <laughs> because uh, it's a lot faster guys are strong my um, the little moves that I might have in junior might not cut it here so um yeah but it was still really cool and then from working camp you transition into main camp and you're skating with NHLers and and for me that was that was awesome um I was nervous excited I, I think I was only there for maybe four or five days as a young buck but um it, it was still so cool and I'll remember that forever um I think that summer we so we used to do this uh, college showcase and uh, the first summer we did that it was in July and we invited a bunch of like US schools uh, we, we held a camp here at FDB and um, yeah I think there was like eight or nine Div 1 coaches here uh, there was 70 players I believe so it was a good turnout and I remember you remember you texting me saying hey is there any chance like you have I can get on the ice I'm like, Jesus, but like, we're running a camp here. Are you kidding me? Um, I'm like, yeah, I'll see what we can do. And there was like 45 minute gap in the ice times. And, and, uh, sure enough, you go out there by yourself and I'm, we're busy kind of, you know, ripping around the rink, trying to get everything prepared and kids are in the stands, like having lunch or whatever. And you start just skating by yourself on the ice. And I come back out in the rink and there's like, you know that's there's like 40 kids in the stands watching you and uh i remember like 40 kids just sitting there watching you skate for like an hour by yourself and and you were running yourself through drills essentially 
And when I was thinking about this particular question, you know, Rox and I are on the ice a lot with these with our guys in the summer, and it feels it feels like a lot of guys are robots. They come out there, they go through the motions, they're waiting for us to tell them to skate to this cone, turn around, pass mm-hmm. him the puck. It's like they almost need that their hand held. And I reflect back to that day, and kids were kind of in awe that you were just ran yourself through an own, your own practice. The question is, when you step out there on the ice in the summer or at practice, do you have like a, what is your process when you, before you get out there? Are you thinking of things you really want to work on or like, where did that come from? Yeah. Well, quickly on, on that day, I remember that, that day. That's funny looking back on that. And I, I actually refed for a few of those games. Oh yeah. <laughs> you guys gave me a ref jersey and I was awful I as a ref. That. So if anyone didn't get a recruitment <laughs> offer, it's probably cause I called you offside or something a few times. So that wasn't, wasn't too good, but, um, no, I, I mean, if I'm ever out there by myself or even during practice, because there's general drills you can do, you know, like a passing shooting drill, but there's certain players that you can tell are kind of more engaged and trying to get a little more out of the drill than, than maybe the guy next to them. And for me, I've always kind of been motivated just internally. Uh, I watch a lot of hockey. I, I try to pick up on things I want to work on. And um, during the summer, I, I try to always work on my shot because I that's something you don't really get to hone in on during the year. But uh, during the season, if I'm ever out on the ice late, there's there's usually a player or two the night before that you know I'm not happy with, didn't handle a puck well, didn't release it, whatever, little detail, little kind of fundamental thing. But um, yeah, it's just things that translate. I mean, we've all done drills, and you're like, what are we doing out here? <laughs> like this is not gonna help me at all. Um, so for me, it's always something that I can envision myself doing in a game, doing well something that I think I can get better at but will help me in a game. I mean, personally, like, low skills, little passes, quick shots, like, that's something that's my strength. But a big defenseman would say completely different things that he needs to work on. Um, If I ever have time by myself, one thing that I've – I remember hearing this years ago uh, talking about Stamkos and, like, his biggest strength is his one-timer. Yeah. So – I would hear that 80% of time that he's just out there, he's working on his one-timer, his strength, this thing that sets him apart. So when I'm out there and I get a chance to do things that just I want to do, I'm usually working on things that are my strength to make them that much better, um, to stand out more in that aspect. Because, I mean, I'm not going to crank one-timers from the blue line, but I could get good at, you know, in tight shots. So that's stuff that I kind of try to work at relentlessly and, on that note, I, I remember Simon telling me once there's a difference between practicing until you can make 10 free throws in a row and practicing until you can't miss 10 free throws in a row. So that's something that I really try to do in practice is just, you know, like muscle memory, like get so good at something that it really sets you apart. Um, and there's not really a better way to do that than to just practice it. Nice. Love that. So while we're, you're, you're leading the AHL in goals right now um, and you talk about working to your strengths. Um, I want to I wanna know specifically, what do you consider your greatest strength on the ice? And when you talk about, you talked about in tight shots, but how do you, you, you see the game so well 
I think IQ is such a big thing, mm -hmm. but how do you work on what you consider your strength is and what is that strength? Yeah, um, honestly, I, I think a big part of my game is competitiveness and hockey IQ, and that's not really like a physical trait, uh, but that I think that gets me in positions to kind of use my skill set. Um, hockey IQ isn't something that you can go out there and practice, but right. you can work on it if you watch hockey, if you watch your, your shifts and, and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, I like to think I have a pretty good finishing ability, um, and that's something that I've kind of picked up just from hours and hours of, you know, in my driveway, outdoor rink, on the ice after practice, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I think when I'm at my best... I don't score many goals from outside of the, the little house, that kind of 20-foot area in front of the net. That's where I try to do a lot of my damage. Um, and if I'm at the top of my game, I'm competing hard and, and working to get to those spots and then kind of letting uh, things that I've practiced and worked on kind of just take over. It's actually a, a pretty cool story. When we, when we used to go work out in <laughs> Douglasdale and we'd go to drive Bubba home, it's something that we've told our athletes quite often, but the minute we would drop Bubba off and we'd be going to leave, Bubba would have the stick and he'd be shooting about 100 shots. And again, we've, we've mentioned it so much to our athletes, but it, it, it goes to his dedication, but also the amount of, we, we look at Bubba, he's 5'9", he's uh, 160 pounds now, I don't, it might be lighter than that. We'll go with that. Yeah, <laughs> right. But he's, He's put so much practice um, into his craft and being able to do the things that he's doing now. And it's something that we always try to pass on to our athletes. Like you, you sure you have these strengths, but it's the, the amount of actual intentional hours that you put towards something that really starts to pay off later on. And a lot of, the, a lot of kids in our program want it, but they're not willing to, after a workout, go rip a 200 pucks in the driveway. So it's just something cool that, that we've witnessed firsthand, um, but that we want to pass on. And to your point about your competitiveness, I love that you say that because I think we could all, uh, we all have our stories of kids or parents telling us they didn't make it because they're too small or they didn't get this because they're too small. And I always point to your jersey and you know, I use you as an example. And um, so if that guy can do it, than a lot of kids can. Mm -hmm. Like, don't give me the size excuse. Yep. And the fact that you said your competitiveness is one of your best traits, um, I want to let you expand on that point, but I'm sure you've heard this your whole life, that you're too small. Every level you went to, this guy's not going to produce. He's too small. And you've just kind of said, like, no, like, um, you know, I got, I'm, I'm good enough to play at this level and, like, talk about that comment and what it's kind of meant to you throughout your career and where you are today? Yeah, uh, definitely. I've heard that my entire life. Um, but I say this a lot that ever since I've started playing, I've always been the smallest player on my team. So I only know one way to play. Yeah. I only know what it feels like to go into a battle and not have a size advantage on a guy. So I've kind of just learned how I need to, you know, go into a battle, how, you got to kind of outthink the battle sometimes. Um, yeah, as far as producing goes, that's obviously something that you kind of look towards for a small player because there's 
a thought out there that they can't, you know, play lower down in the lineup and such. But I think there's different ways at different levels to produce, and I, I had to learn that when I turned pro. Uh, I had a rough first month and a half, almost two months, um, not really playing my game, kind of getting shut down a lot, had to learn different tactics. But, I mean, again, it, it goes back to just a willingness to to kind of get to hard areas, to, you know, adapt to what a coach is teaching you because they're like you don't need to have necessarily the hardest shot or the fastest skater obviously you want to work on those things but uh a lot of it is putting yourself in areas and and just being kind of true to yourself like there's some guys that can come down and change an angle and use a big flex on their stick like some guys and whip one bar down and that might not quite be my game but there's some things that i can do really well that are guys other guys can't right so i mean do what got you to the point you're at uh but also be honest with yourself about what you can get better at and different ways that you can produce yeah when you when you talk about producing Bob, you <laughs> there's a video highlight reel of you scoring one of the filthiest goals I've ever seen about two months ago. You come down, you get a you get a pass that puts you on a breakaway, and then you backhand uh, do like a Datsukian like backhand flip over the goalie's shoulder um, that barely even touches the net. Just so much touch. Um, I want to we'll, we'll post the clip of that so everybody can see what we're talking about. But what was that instinct? Was that something that you've practiced? Where did that come from? Uh, yeah, that's a move that I kind of came up with in the summer. Uh, just again, just like messing around and uh, tried it a lot in practice. And I guess I was feeling it that night, so I figured I'd give it a go on the breakaway. But uh, the boys, the boys like to see that one go in whenever I try it. Okay, so obviously you're you're doing very well in the AHL right now. <clears throat> you're three time All Star, I think. Uh, three, two, yeah, two, two. Uh, leading the league in scoring and you got called up to the flames last in the covid year mm -hmm. and obviously that was a huge deal but it was under weird circumstances um then you got called up again this year like as a guy that grew up in calgary a flames fan i think you were are like what did the what was that feeling like getting called up to the walking into the, the the flames dressing room and being there with you know the big boys yeah well actually my second year i got called up but i didn't play and i remember when i got that call i was like shaking like my limbs didn't work anymore <laughs> like i didn't know what to do with myself so that was kind of my first like holy i'm here i didn't get to play and i was up for maybe i don't know four or five days uh but that was like, I'm almost glad I didn't play because I probably couldn't <laughs> hold my stick. But um, coming to this year when I got called up and I went and played in Toronto and Montreal, which is pretty much as good as it gets as far as a NHL environment, um, two crazy fan bases, sold out buildings. And yeah, I try not to overthink it because you still want to show well and you know play your game, but maybe after the game's over kind of reflecting a little bit it's it's pretty uh pretty cool feeling um and to be from calgary and and to get to play in that position and for the flames in the nhl like something not a lot of kids from here get to say they've done and um very fortunate that that i was there and i continue to work to get back to that point 
Nice. Uh, you started your AHL career in Stockton, I believe it was. Yep. Um, and then they moved to Calgary this year with the with the Wranglers. I want to know the pros and cons of playing in your hometown. You've got you've got your family here. You've got your girlfriend here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of the what are some of the benefits and what are some of maybe the downfalls of of playing at home? Yeah. Well, the pros is pretty obvious I get to play at home I get to see my friends and family all the time um, got lots of texts every time for tickets which is a good thing um, you know just playing in the saddle dome Canadian environment like it's awesome it's great for the AHL uh, I think there's a lot more eyes on us here in Calgary um, the arena is the ice quality is a lot better in Calgary than it was in California so uh, that's good I mean uh, we've gotten some pretty good crowds this year at the Dome and it's just fun to play here and there's a lot of knowledgeable hockey fans here and um, as far as you know being that close to the NHL team uh, very convenient for guys to get called up and uh, I've really liked playing in Calgary and it's fun and hope we can go on a pretty good playoff run here and the cons, I mean, our, our travel's not great because we still play all the same teams in the Canadian, div- uh, Californian division for the most part. Uh, but there's really not that many. I mean, there's uh, there's some rough and tumble towns in, in, the, in, minor, in, uh, in the minor leagues and to get to play in Calgary, uh, a lot, the guys all love it. And for families, guys that have wives and kids and such, uh, it's it's been great. And I mean, I'm obviously biased, but uh, I really like playing here. Do you ever find that you get too comfortable being at home? Um, you know what? With our schedule, it doesn't seem like we're at home for a long stretch of time very often. So it, it kind of just feels like it's either a practice, a game day, or you're getting on a plane. So, um, I mean, it's nice for, like, Christmas. I just get to hang out when other guys are flying across the continent. But, um, yeah, I, I don't really have many complaints. Okay, you've been with the Flames organization for a while now. You got to have a good training camp story. Um, <laughs> one that it just, it's just, it's not of anybody else but myself. So it was my first training camp. And I just remember how much of like an eye opening it all was. And these guys are men and they're 220 pounds, all of them. And they're doing all these stretches before. And like, I'm just like, oh my God, like how am I going to go on the ice with this guy? And like my jersey is like 20 sizes too big for me. And (laughs) it was just crazy looking back on it, how much things have changed. Um, But the, a big difference in the NHL compared to junior is kind of the little perks like around the room, like the, the toiletry area, like in the showers and the drink station food, like all that stuff. It's, it's times a million once you get to the (laughs) NHL. So I'd go to the rink and I, we'd they'd give us like our training camp package with like a schedule. And so I'd have my little backpack and I'd, I'd go and I'm just like, like looking around at everything. Yeah, literally a fan. <laughs> like some, like some guys are like, what is this kid doing here? <laughs> um, but I just remember <laughs> I was 18 and I was probably just starting to grow hair on my face. So I'm like, okay, hey, that's pretty cool. Like I shave at the rink because that you didn't have that in junior. 
and I had all the like little disposable razors. So I just have a vision of myself just like grabbing razors and throwing them in my backpack. Because <laughs> oh <my laughs> Elias is so cool. Like they're free. <laughs> like I could just. So if I saw someone doing that now, I would just laugh so hard. But uh, that's one thing that I'll, I'll remember. <laughs> I'm I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious. Who is the best player you've seen in person on the ice, <coughs> played against? Um, the most skillful player that you've you've gone up against? Um, I would say, as far as from like that moment in time compared to the competition, uh, playing against Matt Barzell in junior was like this guy is way too good to be here the plays he was making, the passes, his skating, his confidence out there. Um, that one will stick out for me, and obviously it bodes well because he's a star in the NHL today. But uh, at that point, when I played him his final year junior, that was probably the biggest jump I've seen from skill levels. I actually remember a specific game that I was at. Uh, you're in the, the history books of hockey. Uh, it was the longest overtime game ever played yep. against Seattle. Everett. Oh, it was Everett. Yep. Oh, yep. sorry, sorry, wrong, yep. wrong team. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Okay, um, Bubba, kind of wrapping up the hockey questions here, but you've obviously climbed the ranks of, of hockey and you're, you're living your dream, so to speak, and, and you're trying to make that jump into the next level. Like, what do you think you're, you need to – you know, improve on or something you got to add to your game to get to that next level and become, you know, a full-time NHL guy? Yeah, for me, uh, I think it's just consistently creating scoring chances. And that might sound from the surface of just, you know, taking a lot of shots and that. But uh, it starts in your defensive zone, but it's just awareness all over the ice and putting myself in good positions defensively being good so that you have the puck more but you know having an impact every time you touch the puck is important and that's something I learned my first year pro uh kind of in and out of the lineup you're like you can't just be there you gotta really do something when you get the puck when you're on the ice so um continue to kind of stand out and create offense for the team and um I'm obviously a guy that that's sort of my job is to help score goals and maybe put up points be good on the power play and such so uh just be very consistent with that um executing is important because when you get to the nhl the time and space shrinks and uh you might get that one opportunity a game so um a guy that's looked to to kind of score uh that's kind of my job so uh keep focusing on that but not uh not neglect any other side of the puck either nice that's pretty cool you say defense as a guy that scores mm-hmm. so uh, a lot of a lot of kids like hopefully that rings in their ears because a lot of guys start cheating when they yeah. when they're not producing and that leads to a whole nother issues but yeah. so that's cool that's another good question when you're going through a slump what's your mentality and what's your mindset and how do you get out of that slump well, I'm kind of going through one now, to be honest. Uh, we haven't been scoring too much lately. Um, you know, I, I like to not think about necessarily, like, points when I'm playing. I just think about how do I get to the spot to put the puck in the net. Um, like, how do I put myself in a position to maybe get a lucky bounce? 
how do I get the puck back so that I can just make a play that I have made a million times? Um, so, I mean, it's easier said than done because it can be very frustrating sometimes when you just don't have that puck luck or you're just not getting an opportunity. But, uh, I mean, if you're not really getting scoring chances, if I'm not getting scoring chances, I, I tell myself to just work harder. <laughs> uh, go, like, try to get the puck back, get in those positions. And at the same time, it's a long, long seasons, and sometimes the puck's just not going to bounce for you. Try not to get too discouraged. That can be very frustrating, but stay patient and i think for me at least it all stems back to just kind of work ethic and details and then you're bound to get a bounce here there and and then get back going so do do the right things and yeah and it's going to pay off over yeah. time um do you guys have any other hockey related questions because i've got a few i've got a few uh deeper ones no i'm good i i, I got a golf question that i really want to ask you i know you're a big golfer but mm -hmm. you okay you take the lead here pal uh, in about 15 years, uh, when you're when you're hanging up the skates and you're done playing hockey, and I apologize, this is a bit of a deep one. Uh, <laughs> but what do you want teammates that played with you, coaches that worked with you, and fans to remember about Matthew Phillips? That is a good wow. question. Might need a uh, <laughs> espresso martini yeah. to answer that <laughs> one. Um, take five here. I, 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 I kind of pride myself on just like constantly working hard and doing a little bit extra and trying to have fun around the rink and like I just touched on like it you can get in the dog days of a season sometimes and not everyone's going to be perfect every day but just someone that consistently shows up um, someone that's always kind of working hard and encouraging other teammates uh, I, I try to kind of bring everybody along um, talk to older guys make younger guys feel comfortable and I mean, just kind of be a, uh, what's the word now? Um, low maintenance guy, uh, someone that coaches don't have to pull into their office every day. Kind of take, if you're being taught something, only get taught it once and go put it into action and just kind of lead by example. But um, as far as like teammates, I don't know. I, I just like to have fun around the rink, but also be serious and, and get results. So uh, a little bit of both. Okay, and uh, I think this, you, you know, you talk about lead by example, but um, you've been a captain of the Buffs in Midget AAA. You've been a captain of the Victoria Royals. Mm -hmm. You're assistant captain of the Wranglers, Wranglers currently. What's your leadership style, and how do you show up as a leader? Uh, my leadership style is sort of what I just kind of touched on. It, it's more so leading by example, but... Uh, I like to think it's just kind of habits. I, I like to get to the rink early. I like to be very prepared. Uh, listen when people are talking. It sounds kind of silly, but even at my level, some guys just don't listen. <laughs> when you're being in a meeting or explaining a drill, like be very detailed. You're there for a reason. It's your job. Put your best foot forward. Um, on the ice, I, I like to think that I play bigger than my size and compete and and hopefully you know kind of get the team going a little bit in that way just off work ethic and, and trying to get the team to to play better so i'm not overly vocal but i i also think uh that when i do speak up that guys probably listen because i i usually am talking for a reason but um yeah just just someone that you know you kind of want to kind of watch and i don't know like lead by example
So going off that a little bit, obviously we, all the guys know your sense, you're, you're a very pretty even keeled guy. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, you keep to yourself unless you really feel like you need to speak up and say something. But I kind of want to hear from your perspective, kind of right now, you guys are in a slump, personally you're in a slump. Um, if you came in in between periods and snapped a stick over your knee, gunned a water bottle, threw a garbage can, like what do you think the boys would do? Do you think they'd be fired up or they'd be like, what did I just like? Uh, I think it would probably shock some people. Uh, I'm definitely not the one to start yelling. But um, I, I try to... You know, some guys are always, you know, you played with guys that are just talking to, to talk mm-hmm. and be the guy yep. that's speaking. Um, you know, something constructive, something that guys can kind of take and apply to the ice. But at the same time, there's some points throughout the year that everyone's just not playing good enough. And But one thing that I've kind of learned is you need to look in the mirror first before you're going to say anything. Because if the guy that's not making any passes is telling the guy next to him to make better passes, it doesn't really hit home with anybody. Um, so, yeah, I, I think kind of worry about yourself first and foremost. But, yeah, I think that would probably open some eyes if I started smashing stuff. I'd love to see make, it. Mix though. it I'd in once in a while. Uh, I don't know. I'm I don't just know. wondering, though, do you think you'd break it? Uh, <laughs> uh, come I don't in, know. maybe I'm it's not, a few swipes over your knee, I, and then yeah, you're just like, I'm okay. not fully confident that I'd break <laughs> it, so that's probably why. We obviously got to know your family really well over the years, and, you know, we look at them as, as a bit of our family as well, and your mom has always been one of the most supportive people for Alex and I as we were growing both. Mm-hmm. Um what can you speak to on the impact your mom donna has had on you as an individual and how it's helped you get to where you've gotten in your career and i just want to preface this by saying a lot of you know we're going to have some parents on here listening trying to understand what they need to do yeah um but yeah donna's donna's always been so supportive so i want to i want to hear from you on that side yeah my mom um she's been massive for my career and she might not know it because she sometimes still doesn't even know what an offside is (laughs) but uh just so supportive um she can tell when i'm having a good day a bad day uh but it's just always positive really uh same with my dad too like growing up i've never really had that car ride home that you're you're just hearing it from from your parents like it's just very very positive, very supportive, and and speaking to my mom, she's a very, uh, very gentle, gentle soul, and I don't think she's ever really yelled at me or anything like that. But uh, I think she recognizes how much playing hockey means to me and how much I enjoy it, and she's done a ton to just put me in positions that I can just play and not worry about maybe uh, life problems or anything like that. Um, She's very selfless and uh, yeah, she she spends tons of money to come and see me and to get me through minor hockey to this point. And she supports you guys, she supports everyone around her. So I've learned from her that there's pretty much always a bright side to something. Um, And that's something I'll always take with me. Well, when you score four goals a night, like, what are you going to yell at your kid about? <laughs> Jesus. Let's be, let's be real here. No, we love Dawn. Obviously, she's she's amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to transition into some rapid fire here. Um, but before we get into the rapid fire, this one, 
I've been meaning. I want to ask you. I'm curious. You're you're a big golfer. Yep. You love to swing them. I love it. And uh, <clears throat> we've had some great rounds together. I want you to envision this. You're one shot up at the Masters in a, in Augusta. Mm-hmm. You're standing on 18. Last round on Sunday. Everyone's watching. What club do you pull out of your bag that you know the ball's going to get in the fairway? And like what? What are you hitting a fade? Or are you hitting a draw? Like what? I'm. Uh, I'm. I. I like to think. I mean, depends on the day, obviously. But it's Sunday. You're up one shot yeah, at Augusta. I. I'm going. Uh, I. I still think my driver. I. I wow. like to think I'm pretty steady with it. Yeah, you are. Um, yeah. and I've gotten better with it. So that's one that I'm probably. You hitting a fade. Yeah, a little, a little, fade. A little one, a little a one. Here, the, well, you, no, so no, eighteen no, no. is tight. There's yeah, trees no, lining I, the hole. I'm not, I'm not doing anything different. I'm hitting, <laughs> even if I lose fifteen yards because I'm on the wrong side, I'm hitting what I know I can get out there, and usually that's my driver. But you're the most frustrating guy play, to play I've, with because you heard that before. <laughs> you just bunt it out there, whatever two hundred some yards, but you never miss. And it's oh my god! Uh, Usually yeah, you're playing bunting. with playing with guys. It's like okay, he's gonna he's gonna spray one yeah, eventually yeah, here, yeah. and we'll get him back. But no, two twenty down the middle, <laughs> just like oh my god! Man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm. I think rocks. What would you, what well, would you hit? <laughs> You'd shut your eyes and swing. Well, we're the spray guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rox is pulling his like seven iron out. I might have yeah, my five iron in my hand. Like I, the most safest club, maybe pitching wedge. I don't know. <laughs> I felt really good with my three hybrid, three mm-hmm. iron hybrid lately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm sure the guys listening that have played golf with me are just killing themselves laughing. But <laughs> I will say, if the mon- if money's on, pressure's on. I love to say to my opponents, you know, some guys like pressure, yeah, and some guys don't. Some guys don't. Which one are you? I like pressure. That's what I'm saying to myself, yeah. and I try to. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm brutal though. <laughs> if I'm hitting and I'm one up at Augusta, yeah, what are you hitting? I'm going straight in the water. <laughs> there is no water on 18, no but you'll find. I'll find it. I'll find it. We've seen it, all of us live. Oh, uh, but anyway, Bubba, the way we're gonna do this is we're gonna do some rapid fire to close this up. Um, Alex, you'll ask a question, <laughs> and I'll ask a question. We can edit this out after. It's the first episode here. Give us a break. Yeah. Come yeah. on. All right, Bubba. Favorite book, if you read. I I have one career full book, page <laughs> to page. Holes. Uh, holes. Yeah. holes. Oh, my God. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Did you read that when you were I read 12? it. I was forced in school. Oh, uh, yeah, so that's an easy answer. Favorite hockey player growing up? Uh, Pavel Datsuk. Favorite movie? Uh, Catch Me If You Can. I don't know if you guys know that movie at all. Oh, yeah. Are you Leo. kidding me? Yeah. Leo. Yeah, yeah. yeah where Jesus, he's like who are you talking to? Yeah, <laughs> the airport and all that stuff. Yeah, I like that movie. <laughs> Our producer, Danny, is killing himself <laughs> over there. <laughs> uh, your, uh, your top influences? Uh, top influences, my mom, uh, my dad, my grandpa, and honestly, you guys a little bit because you taught me what it means to be consistent and to believe in yourself. Wow. It's a deep answer, but it's <laughs> true. Uh, go-to coffee order? Black. Oh, yeah. No, don't overthink it. <laughs> just black coffee. Grande black. Yep. Something not everyone knows about you? 
Ah, uh, wow. Um, Don't get weird here. I usually say I know a little bit of French, uh, <laughs> but it's gotten a little off the tracks. Uh, I don't know. There's not really too much that... Mm, yeah, I don't know. That'd probably be mine, but not a great answer. All right. You're in the back of a Korean uh, bar. <laughs> oh, Korean gosh. bar, and you see a karaoke machine. What's the first song you're playing? Oh, my God. I I don't even have one in mind. Um, probably like a Mr. Brightside? Yeah, it would be it'd be real basic, probably. Yeah. Depends on how many sake bombs. <laughs> Who's the funniest teammate you've ever... Uh, ever had or played with? Funniest teammate would be probably a tie between uh, Jacob Pelche, who's playing with the Flames right now, and uh, Ryan Lomberg, who's with the uh, Florida Panthers now. What's your go-to snack on the road? Um, Still a Twizzlers guy? <laughs> uh, I've, I've gotten away from the Twizzlers a little bit. Snack on, on the road. Now. Uh, I don't know. I honestly on the road we don't snack that much. I try to just eat really big meals because okay. we go, you know, like plane rides, bus rides, like a long ways between meals. So okay. at home I snack. Try to eat a lot of like fruit and that, but nothing. Okay, nothing I'm gonna too re crazy. I'm gonna revamp this question here. You're filling up your car. It's uh, middle of summer, plus thirty out. You're in Seven Eleven. You're feeling a little snacky. The aisles are looking full. Where are you going? Uh it's probably like when I am feeling like that, it's candy for sure. Oh, okay. Twizzlers. Uh, okay. He's yeah, a Twizzler twizzlers. guy. Mm -hmm. Come on. We're, we're circling like good, back. I like, a good, I like a good sour key from oh, time man. to time. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to finish this rapid fire with one last question if there's one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self, what would it be? Wow. Um. Yeah, that's a big one. Keep um, going, buddy. A younger self. Yeah, honestly, it would probably be something along the lines of like off ice, like like eating habits, like little details. Uh, I try to tell myself like away from the rink, like does this hurt or help whatever I'm doing? Uh, and there's some days that, you know, day off. This one might hurt a little, but I'll be okay. But try to always do things that are going to further you and as far as eating sleeping stuff like that um because you'll be happy later on awesome well thanks bob i really appreciate your you coming in and uh spending some time with us it's uh it's our first episode so we wanted to have you in and uh seeing how you were our first guy and and the career you've had so really appreciate that man um for the listeners out there um our next episode is going to be Hopefully with uh, one of the, the Dinos UFC hockey players. The, if you don't know by now, these guys are the number one team in the nation. They're on their way to the na uh, to Nationals. So hopefully we get a, a Dinos guy on here to talk about that the season they've had and the special ride they're on. Um, hopefully you guys are, get a lot out of these conversations. If you have any interesting topics you'd like us to, to go over and discuss, DM, email us. Uh, we're we're definitely open to to talking about you got what you guys want to listen to, and um, yeah, we really appreciate you guys giving us a chance. Simon wanted to mention, uh, give us a five star rating. Is that what you do on podcasts? Well, just we're we're starting 
like Alex has mentioned, this is our first podcast, but we're trying to get this thing up and running and be uh, offer a ton of value to to our clients, to people that want to learn more. So if you give us a five star review, we'd really appreciate it. And Feel like a YouTuber now. Yeah. No <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then lastly, our uh, our sponsor of the the inaugural uh, episode, Rogue Craft. You kidding me? Oh man. You looking for a backyard game? Looking for cornhole, ladder golf, backgammon, crib, cribbage. Cribbage. Blair Russell is one of the best craftsmen of wood. Woodsman. Woodsman, I think we. Yeah, he's a woodsman. Woodsman. This guy can whittle anything. Uh, he does it right out of his garage. He's one of the best in the in the game. Roadcraft. Look him up. Instagram. He's huge on TikTok. Big TikTok guy. <laughs> Uh, sends me about six of them every week. Uh, but Rowcraft, he's a beauty. Hit him up if you need any uh, backyard woods type games. Like that. Thank you. See you next week.